Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Community. Uh, I mean, wasn't yesterday such a great day? I mean, just beautiful. I'm looking out, and it's like some of you guys were kissed by the sun yesterday, right? Oh, some of you guys look like you got slapped by the sun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that happened in our family. Uh, but uh, So my name's Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here, and so glad you're here. I want to welcome you here in the house, especially all of our guests. I want to give a welcome to Lighthouse Online, Bluffton Community, and our Fostoria launch team, by, who, by the way, uh, they are celebrating their very first baptisms in Fostoria today. Uh, we are so excited about what God is doing over there, right? So huge, huge, right? Like that's, that's a sign that God is working there. So we're pretty pumped. Um, in Matthew chapter 15, uh, you, you find this account uh, between Jesus and a Canaanite woman who had a daughter suffering from demon possession. And the woman came running up to Jesus, and she asked him, uh, will you heal my daughter? Uh, come and help me. And this was Jesus' reply. I have come for the lost sheep of Israel. And again, she pleaded for his help, and Jesus replied, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. Now, you might be wondering, like, wow, how can Jesus be so callous? I thought Jesus was uh, this nice guy who did what everybody wanted and patted them on the head and then sent them away with a smile on their face uh, with joy. So what's going on here? What's happening in this moment? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one is that I think Jesus in this moment is exposing the long-running bad blood between Jews and Canaanites, right? Uh, he's re- like calling out the wars that were between them, the trickery, the insults, uh, all of those things that were going on. And he's reminding everyone that culturally, he's under no requirement at all to help this woman, And at the same time, I also think Jesus is drawing faith out of this woman, right? Like all these things and more are happening in this one moment. And he says to her, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. Now, this woman could have taken great offense, this woman could have blame shifted and, and said, well, you know, hey, that's not right, and this isn't my fault. She could have walked away angry. But you know what she did? She got bold in her faith. And, and she replied when Jesus said, uh, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. She replied and said, yes, I agree. But even dogs get the crumbs that fall off of the table, Right? And it's like, if you've ever eaten with kids at the table, you know, right? There's like crumbs. Or I'm still figuring out like how ketchup gets on the eyebrow, right? Like while we're eating, it's like, I don't know what happened there. Uh, but right, so she's like, listen, crumbs fall down and even the dogs get a chance to get those. And when Jesus heard that reply, this was his response. He said, what? Faith. What faith? Oh, my goodness. I actually think a better rendering of that phrase would be, what chutzpah, right? Like, what what boldness? 
What audacity. I can't believe this, right? She's, she's audacious enough to break through the cultural barriers, right? Um, she's audacious enough to break the impropriety of a woman speaking to a man, of a woman approaching a rabbi, right? Uh, she's, and she's just refusing to give up. And then Matthew concludes this account telling us how it ended. This was Jesus' final response to her. He said, your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Right? That's what happened. Now, you need to know this. This story could have gone a totally different way because if Jesus had refused this woman's request... Nobody would have been shocked. Nobody would have been upset. Nobody would have been angry. Actually, it's what they would have expected, right? Because it's like Jews and Canaanites, they don't get along. This isn't how that works. And it was bold for her to ask in the first place. But let me tell you this. It was even more bold for Jesus to grant her request, right? It was bold for her to ask, but it was even more bold for Jesus to grant her request. But isn't that the nature of grace, isn't grace bold, right? Like, grace keeps going when everyone else would stop. Grace doesn't always make sense. Grace is humbling. Grace is bewildering. Grace is audacious. You know, I, I know for me, um, in my life, I've been deeply affected by God's grace and, and still am today. I remember when, when the Holy Spirit first opened my eyes to, to see the truth of biblical grace and understand that, that it, it just seemed, I don't, this is going to sound weird, but it seemed too real to even be real. But then I realized, like, this, this is legitimate. This is the real deal. And nothing more has transformed my life than the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And it still does so today, right? I've been walking with him for 24 years, and I just never get over this fact. But I wonder, because it begs a question, I wonder this, does grace go too far sometimes? Ever think about that? Does grace go too far sometimes? What I mean, what I mean by that is like we want to experience grace for ourselves, but what about like other people? What what about the other people who don't really deserve it? Right? What about the other people who don't really understand grace and they don't really grasp it the way that you do? Uh, what about the people who seem to trample God's grace? Can God's grace go? too far in the lives of people. Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 19, as Pastor Matt mentioned, or you can click over on your device. We're in this series called The God of the Promise, and we're looking at some key passages in the book of Isaiah. Uh, we're looking at some promises that God has made, uh, some that he has already kept and fulfilled, other ones that are still to be fulfilled. And the reason we're doing this is because we want you to know God. Right? That, that's the base level on this thing. We want you to know God because the more you know God, then you can really trust him and you can begin to rely on him in your own life. And so to do that and to help you know him so you can trust him, I want to take a few minutes explaining some truths out of our passage today. So I'm going to read uh, Isaiah chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 19 and go through verse 25. Uh, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. That's what's on the screen, but you can follow along in what you have. And it says this, 
In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. When they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and defender and deliver them. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. And the Lord will strike Egypt, striking and healing, and they will return to the Lord, and he will listen to their pleas for mercy and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Now, there's three things that I want to highlight from this passage, and very quickly it's this. It's the audacity of grace, the results of grace, and the way of grace, okay? The audacity of grace, the results of grace, and the way of grace. So first is the audacity of grace. Now, if you were a Jew living in 8th century BC and you read this passage, you would have been appalled, to say the least. In fact, you would have been outraged, at what you were reading and hearing. Why? Well, because Egypt and Assyria were the enemies of Israel. And I don't mean like they just couldn't go to pizza parties at the same time. Like they literally hated one another. And you go, well, why? What's the big deal? Well, read Exodus when you get a chance, right? Uh, let me give you the quick, broad brushstrokes on this story. So essentially, God used this small group of Israelites to save the entire nation of Egypt from starvation, okay? And as a thank you, Egypt enslaved Israel for about 430 years, right? And the only way that they, the Israelites could be set free from Egypt is it took God pouring out 10 plagues on the nation of Egypt before they would release them to be free. So this is referred to as the Passover, and every single year the Jews remember God's rescue from slavery. And at the exact same time when they're remembering the rescue from slavery, they're also remembering Egypt, and they're remembering the ones who enslaved them, right? So there you've got Egypt. Then you've got Assyria. Now, Assyria is one of the most dominant nations during this time. Assyria had just destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, and now they're coming to threaten the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, if you want more information on that, read, uh, watch last week's uh, teaching. I'll kind of explain what was going on there. So, but you've got that going on. They're a very warlike nation. Uh, by the way, Assyria is the nation of the city of Nineveh. Some of you guys who are familiar with the Old Testament remember a prophet by the name of Jonah. He did not want to go to Nineveh. In fact, he ran away uh, because he knew if he went there and he preached what God had asked him to do, that, God, that they were going to repent and God was going to end up forgiving them. And Jonah, being a Jew, 
wanted to see the nation of Israel, wanted to see the city of Nineveh destroyed and decimated, and he didn't want to go, right, share the message of hope with them. So you have to know that Assyria and Egypt were enemies to Israel. So now, Isaiah, a Jewish prophet, by the way, proclaim that there's coming a day when God is going to hear the Egyptian prayers, he's going to send a savior for them, he's going to rescue them, he's going to heal them, and he's going to receive worship from them. Oh, also Assyria's included in that too. By the way, it's not just them two off doing it on their own. Israel's going to be right there in the middle of it as well, right? Like all of this is happening. Can you see how offensive this would be to a Jewish person reading this? God is going to show grace to the enemy. That's what's happening here. You know, the closest thing that I think if we were going to try to draw a parallel, it's like, hey, one day the Jews and the Nazis are going to pray together. One day the Russians and the Ukrainians are going to worship in joy under the same roof together. Uh, One day, the Democrats and the Republic criminals will serve each other in joy, right? The pro-lifers worshiping with the pro-abortionists, the LBGTQ, and focus on the family coming together. Are you uncomfortable yet? This is what God is saying. This is the point of Isaiah 19. You know what it is? Think of the person who has wounded you the most deeply. Isaiah is saying one day, you may even pray with and for that person with sincerity. This is is what God is talking about. That's the audacity of grace. That's what God's communicating here. It's outlandish. It's bold, right? It seems like it's going too far, right? And when, when somebody that we don't think deserves it begins to receive grace and we start talking about grace and that actually what happens is it wells up feelings of resentment. It begins to well up feelings of bitterness. Why? Because we want justice. We want justice. If you do bad things, bad things should happen. But if you do good things, good things should happen as well. Punishment and reward based on what you do. People who have hurt us don't deserve grace. They deserve, they deserve the smiting wrath of God, right? From heaven with his thunderbolts just zapping people, right? That's what they deserve. Now you're scratching the surface of grace. You're just scratching the surface. You see, grace is undeserved. Grace is unearned. Grace is blessing unleashed on people who have proven themselves unworthy. You know, 20th century theologian Harry Ironside is quoted as saying this, and I think he's right. Grace is not only undeserved favor, but it is favor shown to the one who has deserved the very opposite. Grace is not only undeserved favor, but it is favor shown to the one who has deserved the very opposite. And the reality is, is that you will never be able to receive God's grace 
until you realize that you're Egypt, until you realize you're Assyria, until you realize you're the enemy, right? We're, we're all the enemies. We're all the enemies. Romans 5, 8, or excuse me, Romans 5.10 says it so clearly. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. No one deserves grace. That's what makes it grace, right? That's exactly what makes it grace. And until you see your own need for grace, you won't be able to receive it yourself, and you, won't, you definitely won't be able to rejoice when other people receive and experience God's grace, right? Because that's the audacity of grace. It's outlandish. It's bold. It's audacious. But look at what happens to Egypt and Assyria in the passages, right? Even Israel, when they experience God's grace, you see Egypt uh, is growing in knowing who the Lord is. They start turning away from their gods like Osiris and Anubis. They begin worshiping the God of the Bible. They turn to him in prayer. They experience healing. Mortal enemies come together, not for war, but for worship, Right to celebrate God. And look at how God refers to these nations in verse 25. Look at the language that God uses for these nations. Blessed be Egypt, my people. Right? And Assyria, the work of my hands. And Israel, my inheritance. Guys, these are the results of grace. When somebody has truly experienced the grace of God, this is what the outflow is. Because here's what the truth is. Grace will change your life. God's grace will transform who you are. You know, I have a friend who saw her life as, as something to control, and it was her job to, to make things happen. And so she doubled down on, on forcing things to come into reality. And she recently met Jesus, and now she's learning for one of the first times in her life to trust God's leadership and to submit herself to, to his will instead of to her own. Uh, I've got another friend who was so angry against people who, who lived uh, outside of God, right? Lived outside of what the Bible said. I, you, you just get so angry. And I, you could see it when we started talking about this type of thing. And what's happened, the more he's been exposed to the grace of God, he's transitioning away from anger and he's now moving to prayer. He's praying for people who are walking in opposition to the Lord as opposed to simply being angry. I've seen God transform the way believers look at the people who have hurt them. They're not looking at them as enemies anymore. They're not even looking at them as people to be avoided, but rather they're looking upon them with compassion. They're doing wild and crazy stuff like forgiving them. They're praying for them that they would be set free from their own sin and their own bondage and blindness, right? But when you truly receive God's grace, right, what happens is you get transformed from a hard-hearted enemy into a grace-centered ambassador. And, and you bring hope everywhere you go, right? You're just unleashing it on people. And God ends up using you as a highway for the gospel. He ends up using you as a blessing in the midst of the people, even, even enemies. So I think the question then gets begged. It's like, okay, 
Well, how, how do you get there? How do you get to that place? Well, that's the way of grace, right? Grace comes as a gift. That's, that's foundational. You have to know that. It's, it's undeserved. You've got to grasp that. And whenever there's a break in a relationship, someone needs to be the one who moves first toward reconciliation, okay? What I mean by that is when, when a wife hurts her husband, when a child hurts their parent, when a friend hurts his friend, someone in that broken relationship has to move first toward reconciliation, or the wedge just keeps driving deeper and wider and wider and wider, right? Well, the crossover on that for us is this. We've hurt God with our sin. We broke relationship with God because of our sin. But here's the catch. We can't move first. We don't have the ability to move first. We can't. That's how deep into our sin every single one of us are. So since we can't move first, God does. By the way, God is always the one who moves first every single time, right? He moves first. Think about it. You go back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, they went running and hiding, and God moved first toward them, right? Uh, We're walking in darkness, living in our sin-filled world, and Jesus moved first, entering in uh, to our flesh and into our mess, uh, in fact, I think 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, says it so well. Uh, actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage out loud together, starting with we love. Are you ready? Go. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. God always moves first. And so Jesus is that highway, right, that Isaiah is talking about. Jesus is the highway by which we enter into a restored relationship with God. He's the Savior and the Defender that God promised to send to deliver us from our sins. And so the way of grace for every single one of us is through Jesus Christ. And what's fantastic is because Jesus has moved first towards us, And when we receive the grace of God as a gift, not something to be earned, not something to be paid back, not something to work for, but we receive his grace as a gift, now that means you and I, as born-again believers, can now move first with the gospel to others, right? We actually don't have to wait for people to come to us. We get to go to them. We get to go to them with the greatest news that anybody ever gets to be exposed to. So five years ago, God moved first through a group of people right here in Hancock County. And so we, we started a Lighthouse Community as a place where people could discover how to know God. And when I think back on those early days, it's like, and even still today, it's like, you've got risk, you've got hope, you've got uh, you know, expectation and excitement, uh, prayer, all wrapped up. In this moment, nobody really knew what was going to happen. And over the last five years, hundreds of people have come to faith. Hundreds of people have taken the step of baptism, right? Uh, People are discovering scripture for one of the first time, not just as this book that's out there, but they're like hearing God speak to them so clearly through it. Uh, Last Sunday, think about this, last Sunday between all three churches, Lighthouse, Living Hope, and Bluffton Community, there were over 1,500 people who gathered together to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That wasn't even a thing like five years ago, right? 
Like, think about that. In just five years, the expansion and the multiplication that God has done through this. It's been, it's been remarkable. And so today, right, we sense God leading us to move first again so that more people can know and worship the Lord. Uh, in fact, that's why we helped to launch Bluffton Community, right? They're just a little bit over a year old. And uh, man, God is doing really cool things in that location. Uh, it's why we recently bought 11 acres on County Road 99. Um, it's the reason why we're launching this campaign we've been talking about building to change lives, because this is about moving first with the gospel. Because here at this location, we've got what I would call a container issue, all right? So just last Sunday, almost 400 people were just, they were at this location. Uh, There are more people who want to be here, but they can't because there's not room. It's like, where else are you going to put people when you think about what happened last Sunday? And we see a trend here all the time. We'll hit that high number, and then the very next Sunday, you see a drop because people go, oh, man, what God's doing there is cool, but there's no room for me. And then there's like this slow peak back up. You hit that ceiling again, and then it tanks down. We've been doing this now like for a couple of years, except for COVID. We had tons of space uh, during the height of all of that. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, right, um, right now, because of our kids, right, they're, they're, they're growing so rapidly. Our elementary kids are 350 feet away from us. We have to schedule trainings and classes uh, on other days, times, and get really creative. Now, now listen, this is not belly aching because God is like clearly blessing and leading in spite of the challenges. But you've got to know, we've got barriers to the gospel in this location, not because of anything wrong, actually because of good things. But something as simple as a larger location actually removes a lot of those barriers. And so what this is, when we're talking about building to change lives, this is our opportunity to move first because Hancock County is not going to build a church for itself so that it can hear the gospel, right? They need somebody to move first, right? And so God's calling us to this work. So this is a gospel opportunity. This is a step of faith for us. And so what I've done is uh, I've invited one of my friends, Jeff Hall, uh, to come and just share what this opportunity has meant for him. Um, it's just coming. You might know Jeff. He serves as a co-leader of one of our small groups. You'll find him as a prayer leader on Sunday mornings. Uh, and then you also play with the tech in the back of the room sometimes, too. You make sure we got lyrics and videos and all that kind of good stuff going on there. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, um, if you would... What has this opportunity of building to change lives meant for you and for your family? Well, the video from Evan Jackson this morning really summed it up well. I was not um, thinking it was the right thing for us to do uh, for all of the reasons that he stated. Uh, People coming here, excuse me, people coming here enjoying it. um, uh, We don't want to change that. And up until... Probably six months ago, I still had that in my spirit, that it's just not the right thing to do. But uh, I know that it is for what Evan was saying, and I'm sure that uh, there are a lot of folks out here feeling the same way about this, but it's absolutely the right thing to do, just for what you were saying, the 50,000 that are out there. And it's our turn to do what we need to do, as they've been doing for 4,000 years. You had mentioned in a conversation at one point of, of what this opportunity has meant for you personally to go, hey, this doesn't happen all the time. Right, it doesn't. Uh, Jesus, um, we were in a Bible study uh, in John. 
and that was six, seven months ago. And in chapter, um, let me make sure I say this right. We were in uh, chapter 17, and Jesus was praying for us, and it hit me. that Jesus was actually praying for me, for everybody here, everybody that was going to come into the fold. He was praying 2,000 years ago for us, and then that just, that flip switched for me, and it, I'm in, all in. <laughs> so why, why are you so passionate about the gospel? I've known you for the last five years, and this is not something that's changed about you. So what is it about the gospel? You're like, man, it's just got to go. It's got to get out there. Yeah, because I was just so evil of a person before I met the Lord. And he took a guy who had, uh, not boasting, but I had Cassie and I, we had five homes. We had airplane. We had cars. We had everything, but we didn't have the Lord. And we accepted the Lord the 25th of February in 2000. And 10 days later, our bank came to us and wanted $10 million. Or they were shutting us down. And we weren't behind in any of our payments to anybody. And at that point, it was, uh, well, do I follow the Lord 10 days into this as a baby in Christ? Or do I follow this the way man wants it? Mm. And I made the decision, I'm going to follow the Lord. And the company that we run today is actually his. Nice. That's good. Well, hey, I appreciate you sharing this morning and giving us a little bit of perspective on that. I wonder if you guys will take a moment. Just thank Jeff for coming to share. I need my hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got it, brother. Thanks. Uh, Jeff usually doesn't let me go away without a hug. He reminds me every time, I didn't get my hug yet, man. So. We didn't get it yet today. There it is. So, yeah. Um, it, listen, I hope you guys are seeing Building to Change Lives is really about sharing the gospel. It's expanding the gospel. This is putting a ministry center in the northwest quadrant of Finley where, quite frankly, there's, there's nothing there as far as, as gospel is concerned. This is about a place where students and children can learn about Jesus and the gospel. This is equipping believers for ministry. It's preparing people to answer God's call to disciple-making and even church planting in the future right here in Hancock County. This is about creating a highway for the gospel to go out and for people to come as well. And so uh, you've seen around the building, we've got some uh, posters and some pictures. We, we think this is the building that God is leading us to. And, and let me just lay out here really quickly. Um, it's going to require $5 million to complete this project. If that doesn't make you uncomfortable, <laughs> I'd love to talk with you. Uh, but no, um, listen, five, $5 million is a lot. But you need to know this. This ministry center is not a decadent cathedral. Do you know what this building is? It's a steel structure with concrete floors. That's what this is. Uh, you, in fact, you, do you know, want to know what this new building actually is? It's lighthouse bigger. <laughs> like literally, that's it. This is the, and the, the thought process that has gone in, this has been designed for ministry use overwhelmingly for ministry use. And so here's the good news. Between the land that we bought, and, and we own, by the way, we don't any, owe anything on it, on County Road 99. Between that, between the gifts and the pledges that have already come in from some people, and the fact that as a church, we're cheap, uh, right? Those three things, we're already a third of the way there. God has given us $1.8 million to date, right? Like that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible. So between the 
And, and our potential debt capacity, where we're at, is we're, we need an additional $2 million in pledges and gifts to start building our new ministry center. Now, I believe that God can do that through this family, but the reality is this. If the family doesn't get involved, we can't build. And the reality is this, we won't, right? This is going to require all of us joining together for a larger vision, right? That's what's driving this thing. And maybe some of you are going, well, what if we don't reach the two million? Well, to be quite honest with you, we don't have a plan B right now. There, there isn't a plan B, but I'll put forward a couple thoughts to think about. Um, if we have to, we'll build in two phases. That's possible, right? It's not ideal, but we can do it. Um, if we need to, we'll modify the building, right? We'll make changes. But we really believe that this is the right tool for expanding the gospel in our region, right? It's a lot. It's a, I get it. It's a, it's a big ask. I know that it is. But I think this is going to be a moment that our church family looks back on with great joy, realizing that God used our faith in a remarkable way for the region. And so what I'm asking you is I'm asking you to join my family. I'm asking you to join dozens of other families who have already jumped in and said yes to joining, building to change lives. Now, for some of us, what this may look like is we're going to give out of our regular budgets. And so we're going to make some adjustments in our regular expenses to make room for this, uh, for this giving and this investment. Uh, others, uh, you have access to assets that you can release for a gospel opportunity like this. But here's the key. It's, it's crossing over and actually engaging in giving. And so the ask is simply this. Will you join the Building to Change Lives campaign so that we can take the next step in bringing the gospel to Hancock County and to our region? Right? That's the ask for this church family to consider. Now, here's how you can join. Um, Everyone who calls Lighthouse Community home, uh, whether you're in-house or you're joining us online, uh, you actually should have already received a vision packet, okay? Uh, if you're newer to Lighthouse Community, you can jump online. You can go to buildingtochangelives.org, and you can find all the information there. Um, but inside that packet, uh, there's three things I want to draw your attention to. One of them is an FAQ. What we've done is we've listed out all kinds of questions that we've been asked or we think people should ask in regards to, like, what's going on? Why would we do this? All that kind of stuff. That's in there. Then there's uh, the vision brochure. Uh, which walks through why we're doing this, what it's going to take, uh, the floor plan, all of those different things. And then the last piece that's in there that I draw your attention to is the pledge card. And so the pledge card is what you're going to use if you sense God leading you to do that. So I'm asking you, will you read through the vision packet? Will you spend time praying about this initiative? And will you consider giving towards building to change lives over the next three years? Now, for Christine and I, this is something that our family's done. And so we spent time talking about it. We spent time praying about it. And we recognized that this was right for our family to jump in. And we saw this as, as a right investment. And so we're doing this uh, in addition to our regular giving that we do. So we're not moving our regular giving from Lighthouse to building to change lives, but giving on top of. And so we just see this as a step of faith for our family to trust God and to invest in the next generation of Christ followers here in this region. So learn about building to change lives, pray about building to change lives, and if God leads you to give towards building to change lives.
And it would be really helpful if God does lead you to do that, if you would return your pledge card by Sunday, May 22nd. That would be really helpful. You can either mail it to our office, there's an envelope in the packet, uh, or you can just drop it in the offering on Sunday mornings. And so in the same way that every one of us who have said yes to Jesus, right, we've been given this audacious gift of grace, this bold step is our opportunity, right, to keep sharing that grace in our region. This is another first move to help people know God so they can trust God. So at Lighthouse Community, you know that we believe deeply in prayer. In fact, it's one of our values. We state it this way. We pray bold prayers. And so I've asked uh, our elders here in the house, uh, Larry Sewell and Don Basel, to come forward. And what they're going to do is they're going to lead us as a church family in a time of prayer for this initiative and where God is leading us to, that we would hear clearly God's voice and what he would have us to do. Am I first? She's all yours, buddy. I'm first. (laughs) Let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you uh, that you found me when I was lost and far away from you and that I've experienced your mercy in my life and your grace in my life. I'm thankful that uh, you've called me into service and uh, the ability to uh, use my gifts here in this place to uh, make an impact in the lives of people. I, I recognize that that's a gift from you and I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful that your Holy Spirit is in me and that you're leading me each day. I'm just thankful for uh, the fact that I get to walk with you, that that's just a a gift that you've given me. And so today we stand uh, a little bit in trepidation of the size of the mountain as we look at this opportunity, but we believe it's right. And we believe that you are leading us so clearly. And so we ask for your help. I ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide us, that we would step when you say step, and that we would stop when you say stop, that we would hear your voice in clarity. Uh, We're so grateful for what you've done here in the last five years, and as we think about the future, we pray that uh, you would guide us in a remarkable way, that we would hear your voice, and that we would uh, go directly where you want us to go. I pray for each person here, that you'd open our hearts and minds to uh, the things you're calling us to do, and that we would walk with you in in audacity, as as Fritz has said, that we would walk uh, clearly in your grace and experience your blessing as we serve you. Lord God, we are blessed to be in your presence. We can feel you here today as every day that we just acknowledge you as our Lord and God. Thank you for the grace that Fritz preached about this morning. Grace for me grace for everyone here, grace for the lost, grace for our enemies. What a blessing it is that your Holy Spirit will fill everyone here today with clarity of the need for the gospel, clarity for being able to go out into the community. Thank you for the message and a full heart to take the steps to build, to change lives. A heart to cry for those who don't know Jesus. Hands that are open. Open hands to welcome others as they are. Open hands to give sacrificially from what God, you have given us to steward. Not that we can't continue to 
do the things that need to be done, but may we acknowledge that you've given us blessing upon blessing, and may each one of us find a way to participate in growing your kingdom. What a wonderful thing it would be if we could have 100% participation, no matter how large or how small, that we can each know that this this ministry is one that is yours, and it's one that we want to support. We want to ask that you help us to steward what you've given us wisely. Help us to have lives that will show your love, God, your love and your grace to everyone who comes into contact with us. May we go out into the community. May this new building be a building that will welcome people in. May it be a building that will allow us to train people, to teach, to enjoy fellowship, to enjoy your fellowship. We bless you, Lord, for you are indeed a gracious and loving God. Lord, we're thankful for the gift of grace. We recognize that we're undeserving of it. Thank you. Just in a moment of transparency, heads bowed, eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to respond with a hand. How many of you in the room this morning, you would go, I struggle with change. I don't like change at all, actually. Just hearing about it kind of makes my skin start to tickle. Raise your hand. Be honest for a moment. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, a lot of hands went up. You're not alone. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that actually as followers of Christ, change and transformation is the core that you've called us to. We're transformed in Christ. Our character is changed. Our habits are changed. Our words are transformed. Our thoughts and our desires begin to be different under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that our entire lives in Christ are actually marked by change. And I get it. God, I'm in the same place too. Like even just when change gets denounced, it's like, oh man, here we go. And yet, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that it's through Christ that the change comes and the change that you lead us to is always better than what we, where we were. And so, Lord, we believe the same thing about this. That the location may change. And, and the building may change. And, and, and things along. But the heart, the vision, the culture, the values, the drive of this family to take the gospel to where the gospel is not, to bring life where death reigns, to bring light where darkness is reigning, that that would be our heartbeat overwhelmingly and we would be willing, even excited, to walk through lesser change to see the greater transformation happen in the lives of people that we know and people we don't even know. So give us a heart for this county beyond ourselves. And and help us see, Lord, where are you calling us to be in this? And we would say yes, and we would follow your leadership, even in the times where it's challenging. Well, you know, at Lighthouse, we don't love just praying ourselves. We like making that available for the family, too. So what's going to happen here is the band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us.
uh, in, in one more song. And during this last song, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room, one by the cross. Thanks, elders. They're leaving me. Uh, <laughs> they're like, later. Um, one by the cross, one over here on my left, your right. But they're going to be able, available to pray with you about any area, back by the sound booth, back by the double doors. Um, and, and maybe this morning you've got, you've got things going on in your personal life. You've got things you're wrestling with. You've been challenged with some truth in the scripture today. Uh, maybe you're going like, hey, I identify where Evan and Jeff were before. I'm there now. <laughs> Lord, I need you to transform and change my heart and to give your leadership in my life. This is a great opportunity to leverage our prayer leaders for that. So please don't be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Um, This is an opportunity for you to hear clearly from the Lord and have somebody walk with you uh, through prayer. So let me pray for you, and then I want to invite you to do the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.